scary girl. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. Welcome to episode 56. 56. 56. So excited. It is. It is excited. I'm excited. It is excited. <laughs> it is excited. It is excited. We're we referring to ourselves as it's now. Maybe. I would take it. I was like, I've got everything pulled up and ready. Shoot it, bop, bow. Bam. I got this. I got a music stand right here, and I'm using my tablet and my notes, and it's like, you're like a profession now. I know. What are you doing over there, Stephanie? Girl, I feel like I have lessons every time I got my phone over there. Just more banter. I've been all about uh, dirty lemons lately. That's what I know. I've, they've been all over your. That's what I've media. always heard them called. But then when I googled dirty lemon, this other thing came up where it's some sort of like detox company that makes like a charcoal lemon water. And I was like, uh, so okay, that's w- some millennial bullshit. Wawa calls it a cold brew lemonade. But when I used to work at uh, Infinite, we would get them around the corner at this place called Ox. Um, and they called it a dirty lemon and it was half lemonade, uh, and they did espresso, but Wawa does it with cold brew coffee and it's so, it sounds, it doesn't so sound good. Weird. I was like, it sounds gross. I know it sounds gross, but it's just crazy enough to work because the acid of the coffee with the acid of the lemon is like this really weird, like, okay. What does creep. it taste like? And if you say lemonade and cold brew, I'm going to smack you. It tastes like somebody got coffee in your lemonade. Oh, my God. It does. (laughs) Oh, no. I got lemonade in my coffee. If it's made right, it's layered where the lemonade is on the bottom and the coffee is on the top. Because sometimes they, you know, they they don't pour it right and it mixes. And that's fine. But ideally, it's layered. And I like to take the straw and move it up and down. And, like, you can control the ratio flavor. And it gets, it's crazy. It's fun. It's fun. It's yummy. Uh, and right now it's Siptopia at Wawa. So a 16 ounce is $2 and a 24 ounce is $3. So I've been fucking them up. But then I was like, okay, well, we can probably make this at home because Val bought a little cold brew pot that they've been super into. God, I love cold brew. So um, we've got cold brew in the house. Uh, and then I uh, bought lemonade today at Swiss Farms. Made a little cold brew at my house. But what's clutch is I forgot that I don't have any straws in my house. Oh, so I mostly drank cold, uh, like just cold brew, followed and then by lemonade. You got lemonade. <laughs> so it's kind of key that you drink it with uh, with you a fucking need straw. A straw. But it's it is good. It's yummy. It's weird and interesting. And at Wawa, they sell it. You can get it with cream. Don't get it with cream. The cream makes it gross. You want. What do you do? You sweeten the coffee, or you take it no, black because the, the lemonade, the lemonade is so sweet, right? So you don't need to sweeten it. All right. It's interesting. I don't know. I'm on the Go fence. to Wawa after you leave here. Val got one earlier, FaceTimed with me when they got their first one and got in the car and drank it. And they were like, just kept making this face. And they were like, just like, mm. it's good. I was like, it is, it is. <laughs> and Sully, my boss, was talking about, um, I got him drinking it uh, yesterday. And he was like, yeah, the, it's weird because the whole time you're drinking it, you can't decide if you like it. But I drank the whole thing and I was like, all right. I think I like it. I must have liked it. I drank the whole thing. I liked it. I liked it. But yes, it's it's yummy. You can get it Wawa. They call it a cold brew lemonade. Sure. But yeah, it's half lemonade, half coffee. And it's actually really, it's really interesting. It's very good. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. I'll let you know if I try it. It's not on my radar. I hope you to do. To be honest. I hope you do. Because I'm Maybe. just curious. Next time I want, I'm at Wawa. I want everybody to just try it. You don't have to love it, but it's it's very curious. Because I'm yeah. not usually a coffee person, but I That's love true. lemonade. So it's just a really, really interesting mix of two flavors that you don't think should go together, but then they do. All right. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a Monte Cristo sandwich. Yeah, okay. It's like mixing savory and sweet, sweet, where you're yeah. like, that sounds weird, but you know what? I'm fucking but into it. But I like it. it. Monte Cristo, y'all, if you don't know, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Google it. Who doesn't know it? It's turkey, ham, and Swiss on French toast, and you eat it with maple syrup, and it is delicious as fuck. And yeah. it's sweet and salty. and Chicken and waffles. Yep. Ooh, chicken yeah, and waffles. chicken and waffles. Shoot, I'm so I'm hungry. Guys, we got to end this episode. We're I'm gonna, sorry. We're, we're going to finish cut it this. Short. We're going to record. I seen it, and I'm going to call up the trolley car diner and order chicken and waffles for pickup. And I'm going to take that to the theater because Get I it, don't girl. call it. There's, there's four shorts. And oh, you have so much time. Right. I was like, there's a bunch of short films and then plays before I come on. So I'm like, I got time to eat chicken and waffles. So this has turned into the food episode. Uh, it's just, you know, yeah. you were like, we won't have any banter because we just saw each other last night. So you were like, I got to tell you about my cold I brew still feel lemonade. like I have so much stuff that I didn't get to talk to you about last night. I know. It's fun. We did, it's cool. I love you so much. I love you too. We don't need to talk about it. Air our dirty laundry on here. Uh, Not ours, but other people. When my boss I'm asked me how my show was last night, I talked about it, but then I also talked about <laughs> I was coming over to talk to you. And Noel, and Noel grabbed-, grabbed me, right, where I was like, I was very clearly on my way to talk. I had already acknowledged her. I was looking at her. I was walking to her, and this person physically grabbed me and, like, pulled me over to they talk did. to them. They did. They grabbed, and it's also like, I don't know, I feel like I should set the stage. Like, it's, you know, set the an stage. Because old- <laughs> <laughs> it's at the theater. We were at the theater. It's it's an older woman too, older and white she, lady, an older white lady, and she just grabs Stephanie by me. the shoulders and is just like, "Come like, here, come talk to me." I demand her. your attention. And I was, and I was like, like, "What? Wow, the f- rude, real rude, girl." Oh my gosh! But Stephanie had her show last night. It was really great. Well, I her again tonight, but it's, it's yeah. over by the time that you're by the you're time you're listening to this. this. So sorry about it. Someday um, Jared's going to be on this goddamn show. Yesterday was his 18th Jared, birthday. Happy birthday to Jared Taylor is our king. I completely forgot uh, about the fuck nook thing. And then <laughs> that was like, oh, listen to the podcast. Ha, 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 blah, blah, blah. And, t- and Christina said something about the fetish five. I was like, whatever. It was and then, so funny. And then I was listening to it and I was like, oh, my God. I didn't. I was like, I didn't talk to her about this. I was like, she didn't, I was like, she didn't ask me if I wanted to. I did say maybe. No. Oh, no, no. Something just came on. Air conditioner. That's the devil's noise. Oh my god, the devil a just ghost turned in here, the air conditioner on. Um, a ghost came in here and farted for a really long, long time. time. I jarred it up though. Don't you worry. <laughs> You're getting it. Oh, Mary yeah. Angela and Gilmarie, whenever she decides that she's ready for me to she's send them to, to her. One. Yeah, don't you guys want ghost farts in a jar? Come on, it's only 15. Oh my god. That's we'll, it. And you we'll get, get into that. Else. We talk about that at the end of the episode. Well, let's get into it. You know what? Yeah, we did a lot of banter. It's time to tell some stories. Sarah, Stephanie, are y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about some ghosts? ghosts? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Except I'm not talking about ghosts. Ghost, me either. Me either. We all right. We got fixed this two episodes in a row. What are we gonna do? No, I mean, it's, it's okay. okay. I mean, that's like our tagline. But like, are you guys okay with you that? Know we don't just talk about ghosts, but we talk about whatever we want because it's our show. And so y'all yours. ready to talk parentheses about some ghosts? Because maybe it's ghosts. about ghosts, but 
We could be like, y'all ready to talk parentheses about some ghosts in parentheses? Well, I think the fact that it's a question, too, is also like, y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Yeah, too bad. Or what else? What else you got? <laughs> so today... Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Um, I have two short stories about just some weird things. Cool. And I'm just going to call it Weird World. I'm into or it. Or something. I'm into uh, it. And the first one is about a swan. So is it let's Zeus? go. Go for it. No. Um, I found this story just scrolling through something on Reddit, as I do. And it's a guy talking about something that happened in his hometown. And then I did some searching on the internet, corroborated it. This thing actually happened. So I believe it happened in Norway in a town that I cannot describe. And it's about a swan. And he was a local, like he was a local celebrity and he lived in the harbor of the town. And they dubbed him the harbor chief. The local church paid for his vet bills regularly and the locals fed him. Um, So they all really love this fucking swan. The problem with this swan was it was angry. Like, it was not a nice swan. It was a mean fucking swan. And they're like, we love you. People love them, but birds (sighs) suck. I hate geese. And they're everywhere in Manion. They're so scary. They will run after you. They're mean. They're They're mean as shit. They're so mean. I literally, oh, they scare me so bad. Anyways. I believe it. They hiss. They snap. Oh my God. And they get big. They're they're like, (laughs) yeah, no. They scare me so much. I'm so with you. Oh my God. Okay, anyways. Yeah, fuck fuck geese. Fuck birds. Fuck fuck geese. So about this angry swan that this town loved. Loves, right. Harbor chief. So he was an angry bird. He said, like, absolutely crazy. Angry birds? Did angry... they throw them at pigs? It was just one. Just the one So thing. just angry bird. It was the prototype. <laughs> <laughs> um, he liked a few people, but most he hated. He would attack every boat that entered the harbor during the tourist season and actually get onto the boat to try to get at the drivers like he was fucking mean he was truly vicious um but he lived there for like a decade all of his life so everyone just put up with him and they were like hmm, that's the harbor chief that that was what they called him the harbor, the harbor chief. chief i was gonna ask what his name was yeah they like patrolling the harbor, the harbor from everyone everyone <laughs> get everyone out but one day Oh, also, like, local restaurants and cleaning companies would sport a swan logo. So, like, the swan became a symbol of the town. So they really embraced this angry. He was like the mascot, but he yeah. was a little shit. But he was an asshole. Um, but apparently one day, the angry swan took it too far. Uh, <laughs> tourists had been annoying his babies all season. And one afternoon, some children were just playing on the beach and he swooped in out of nowhere and pulled one girl into the water and tried to drown her. Shit! <laughs> I mean, it's awful. She didn't die, so he I mean, grabbed it's not awful this that girl she didn't die. and like it is awful. Uh, it is awful. <laughs> she didn't dash, die, That's but great. she didn't die. That's good. Um, but I'm also like, I get it. He's an animal. He's like. Y'all he was to so kill mad. Young. Here's what I'll so fucking he kill your young. Grabbed this girl and dra- tried to drown her, but luckily a man saved her and like pulled her out from the fucking swans. Oh, I wit. Oh, I hope so. I don't know how it panned out. Um, but that incident made the local paper and the family of the girl wanted this swan to be put down. Yeah, I was like, they were out for. They were like, swan we need blood. to kill him. Like, kill him. 
pluck him, we're going to eat him. Like, we fucking hate this swan. However, this is where things took a strange turn because the community was divided. And half of them wanted him to live and the other half were like, kill him. And campaigners took to the streets to protest him being put down. And they were like, no. It made national papers in Norway um, and went to court. People offered to take him to a secure location, but others didn't want him taken from the wild. So they wanted him to stay in his habitat. Specialists were brought in to assess if they could move him. He was taken to vet jail and things looked bleak. Then things took another weird turn and the swan got a lawyer. The fuck out. The church flew the best lawyer in from the other side of the country to represent this swan and he got off of his charges. Good. And went back to the harbor. Good for him. So the fucking church is like, we don't care you tried to kill this kid. We just really love this swan. We're going to pay to bring in a lawyer to represent our town swan. I don't even think it's like we don't care. I'm just like, he is a wild animal. You said tourists were fucking with like, yeah. his eggs, his babies, yeah. like all summer. Like his animal, he's a wild fucking animal. animal he's going to protect his fucking shit. And I'm like, that sucks, but also, like, keep your children away from the fucking goose. Yeah. Swan, swan, swan. Swan, swan. Um, so he lawyered up. He got off scotch He lawyered up. <laughs> and, uh, soon he was back in the harbor to the cheer of the locals. He talked to that Aflag duck. He was like, yo, who's a bird got to fuck around here? And he was here? like, I got you. He was like, Aflag. Aflag, yeah. Injured on the job, Aflag. <laughs> I flack your back. Gilbert Gottfried was like, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> he's the Affleck duck. He's not anymore. I can't remember why. There was like a whole thing about why he's not anymore. But Gilbert Gottfried used huh. to be the Affleck duck and he's And now not he's not. Longer. I didn't even notice there was a change. Right. Mm. All right. Somebody's Anyways. nailed their Gilbert Gottfried impression. Back to the swan. Um, he was back in the town. However, like many criminals, he struck again. And two weeks later. Two he, weeks? Two weeks. He pulled a 15-year-old <sighs> girl. Pulled a 15-year-old girl from a rowboat. And Damn! tried to kill And tried to kill her. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh so hard. Damn. It's like the owl theory for the staircase where it's just a fucking Which is exactly bird. what happened. <laughs> People are like, that's crazy. The really? Because this swan fucking ripped a bitch out of a rowboat. Ripped her right out of the boat and tried to drown her. Um, but a man jumped in and broke the swans, okay. broke his neck. Mm, he did. So he's dead. It says, uh, some says he was evil. Some Others, says. Some say. <laughs> some up. says he was evil. Some says he was evil. Others think he was just misunderstood. I think he's just misunderstood. You think he's misunderstood? I think he started out as I think misunderstood. He was aggressive. I think he turned into evil once he got a taste of like holding someone's head under the water. Yeah, I think he was he like, was I gotta do this again. He was. Yeah, he was like, I gotta, do, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta try it one more time. I gotta do it again. I'm gonna start with someone who's already on the water, get that bitch in the boat, drag her right under. So, yep, yeah, they said soon after his. Family, soon after he died, his family left for a year, but recently they came back. Not just one, but 30 of them. Yeah, they came to fucking avenge his death. One day I imagine they will rise up and take the town, drowning all that stand against them. Oh, yeah. 
They'll fucking drown in everybody. And this happened in like 2017 when he died. <laughs> oh my god, I think it's so funny. So that's the story of the harbor chief uh, in Norway. And that's my first weird world fucking murderous swan. And my next one is about a guy named Jeremy Bentham. Does that ring a bell? By all? Probably doesn't. Jeremy Bentham. Jeremy Bentham. Is he like a philosopher? Yes. Okay. He yes. is. Do you want to know why I know that name? Why? I know that name because of Lost. <laughs> really? He's yes. referenced on Lost. He's, there's a season, one of the weird sideways seasons where like Locke, who was my favorite character, who John Locke was another philosopher. So the character's mm-hmm. name is John Locke. He was living under an alias, and the alias he was living under was Jeremy Bantham, okay. which is another philosopher. And I was mm-hmm. like, mm, okay. But Locke was my favorite character on Lost. Okay. Well, this is... But Jeremy Bantham was referenced on there, Jeremy yes. Bantham. So, yes. He is uh, an English philosopher. He was a jurist, social reformer, and regarded as the founder of modern utilitarianism, uh, amongst a ton of other things. But that's not... What I'm going to talk about, because that's boring and this is Dead Time Stories, what I'm going to talk about is what happened to him after he died, and that is that when he died in his will, he called for his body to be made into an auto-icon. An auto-icon is a phrase made up by Bentham, so he made up his own phrase, and it basically means, please preserve my body and put it on display, like put it in a box on display. Okay. So like, please preserve me, put me in a box and keep me out for display. Okay. And that's what he wanted. Like he wants to be like Snow White did. Kind of. Yeah. But he wanted to be like sitting so that like, he could go to things. Okay. He wanted like, to be a still... weekend at Bernie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Before weekend at Bernie happened. Right. So, now, so they didn't Bernie... He didn't want to be weakened at Bernie. Bernie got Jeremy Banthumed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Little known fact. Good to know. Who would have known? All goes back to an English philosopher. Gotcha. Um, he was weekend also weakened at Jeremy Banthumed. Weakened at Banthumed. <laughs> yeah. Weakened at Banthumed. <laughs> um, Is that the name of this episode? Maybe. We'll, we'll see what the we'll rest see what of the episode goes. So yeah, he made up this phrase. He basically was like, "I want to be body worlds." Um, and put in a <laughs> be body world. Put in a box. Want to be plastinated? Uh, so that's what they did. Okay, they were like, "This is what he wants." So upon his death, he requested for his body to be dissected and preserved as an auto icon as his memorial. Even as young as twenty one, he had a will stating that he wanted to be dissected when he died, and then later at eighty two. He put his friend Thomas Southwood Smith in charge of creating the auto icon. So he's always been obsessed with doing something like this with his body. He did have all these other weird obsessions. Uh, They believe, and this will come back into play a little bit later, but they believe that he might have been autistic. Like he might have been on the spectrum a little bit. You know what's funny is I I immediately thought that. Because of how weird this request is. Not just that request, but when you said that he had all sorts of other little things like that. And I was like... So they think maybe on the spectrum, maybe, but they're not totally sure. sure. Um, so anyways, two days after his death, invitations to his dissection were distributed to family and friends. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, invites contained a cover depicting Bentham's body partially covered by a sheet on a dissecting table. 
when you open the invitation, is it you lifting the sheet? And oh my god, I body wish. And it's like, come to the dissecting party. Yay! Those are my birthday invitations this year. Yeah, all right, let's do it. <laughs> are we doing a dissecting party? Oh my god, yes. While I'm alive. Oh, oh god, no, I don't like that. All I'm right. gonna have a dissecting party if it kills me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. all right. So after dissection. Uh, Bentham's skeleton and head were preserved and stored in a wooden cabinet, and they let it just be his skeleton, and they padded out the body with hay and dressed it in Bentham's personal clothes. Dressed it. Dressed it. Dressed it in Bentham's personal clothes. Um, And then he requested his head be preserved and mummified in a very specific process used by the Maori tribe. Uh, New Zealand. S- very specific procedure of mummification for his head that he wanted to have done. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, that didn't that didn't go as planned. S- surprise, surprise. My dude. I know. And his uh, when they went to mummify his head, uh, according to the University College of London that's housing the body now. When the time came to preserve it, the process went disastrously wrong, robbing the head of most of its facial expression and leaving it decidedly unattractive. So they made a wax model of his head and put that on the shoulders of his skeleton that's padded out with hay and dressed it in his clothes. And in 18... you know, during that time, um, it was in possession of his friend Thomas Southwood Smith. And in 1850, his body was acquired by the University College London, and it was put on display at the end of the South Cloisters in the main building of the college. And he is, I'll show you a picture in a little bit, but he is in like a closet, like a box. And he's sitting there in a chair with wax figure of his head. And, um, his real head is in a glass, like, container down by his feet. What? Yes. So there's the other big thing, if you Google this, is that he wanted to be, he wanted to have this done and make this auto icon. And then there's this rumor that goes around that he's one of the founders of the college or was given that recognition, that he attends all of the council meetings, so that they bring his body out, and that he wanted to attend all of the meetings. <laughs> But that's a myth. He's only attended one. Shut the fuck up. I'm not kidding. They brought him out for one meeting. I thought you were going to say something like, that's not true. They only bring him out once a year. (laughs) Right. Oh, my God. So, no, they brought him out for one meeting because literally at the time the director was like, this myth is going around. Bring him out for one fucking meeting. We'll say we did it. And then put him back. We're not doing it again. See, I love the, I had the idea that it was like, they brought him in for one meeting and they were like, he's in here. He's not saying anything. This is dumb, this right? Wise, we're not doing this anymore. Right? Okay, cool. All right. Just making sure. And then he speaks up and he's like, all right, hold on. And everyone screams. Ah! Uh, so yeah, the, they're not going to have him attend any other meetings. Another reason why, and I found this really funny, is that because there is a risk that the beetles in the carpet could contaminate the body and slowly consume it. They need to vacuum their fucking carpets uh, if they have yeah. beetles in the carpet. 
Yeah, dead body university. Jeez. Damn. Anyways, so because the mummified head didn't turn out right, they made the wax figure and his head is placed at his feet. It's so weird. They just keep it. They're like, well, this is still him. Yeah, it's just not. Because could you imagine seeing the body and then I'll show you this head being on the body? It's a little better it being a wax figure and then being like, but here's his real head because that's what he Sorry wanted. Sorry, we messed it up. Yeah, exactly. And it's in like a Beauty and the Beast rose type of See, I feel like container. they should put that container on top I, of the body. That, that would be so awful. It'd be horrifying. <sighs> like in Beetlejuice where he gets his head shrunken. Yes. It's like the little Ooh. head on the body. Right. Well, the head, I'll show you. I'll bring up pictures in a minute. The, uh. So here's the reason why I can't find an older picture of the head with the body. And that's because... They used to keep the head down by the feet of the body, and then the head was stolen by a rival university. Get the fuck out. I'm not kidding. Like a stupid fucking prank. They stole this mummified head of this English philosopher. And what'd they do with it? I don't know, but they ended up getting it back, and they took it off display. And um, it wasn't until recently, I believe recently, they put it back Back. on display. Yes. So in 2017, it was put back on display. um, And there was also talk of retrieving DNA from the head to potentially see if they could maybe track like gene sequencing for the autism, like see if it's in your DNA. They thought he might have it, Sure. you know, for like experiments and stuff like that and then last year in 2018 it was last on display at the metropolitan museum of art in new york so here's actually found an old picture of it with the head by his feet and then there's like a new one let's see if there's yeah girl get a load of this Right? He's literally sitting ah! in a closet. And there's oh my the head. God, his real head. Yeah, no, they shouldn't. Go to the no. other tab and you'll see pictures of just the real head. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is horrifying. So go Google Jeremy Bentham, B-E-N-T-H-A-M, if you want to see uh, an old English philosopher who wanted his body to be his memorial. And they did it. And the head is now secure. Don't go steal it as part of a school rivalry, Dude, please. Dude, the head straight up looks like the Crypt Keeper. It's scary. It does. It looks yes. like the Crypt Keeper with glass eyes in it. Yes. Like they put blue they glass put eyes, eyes in, yeah. in the Crypt Keeper's head. Yeah. Uh, it is decidedly unattractive. It is scary. Right? I'm like, yeah, stick with that fucking wax head, my Right? Dude. See, now do you want to put that head on the shoulders? It'd be scary. That's horrifying. That is fucking horrifying. Right? Jesus Christ. I can't wait to share this on Instagram. And I love that this was this dude's wishes. He was like, this is what I want. I mean, those were not his wishes. Like, what? I mean, what happened? But what did he expect? Sure, sure, Really? Right. I was like, but honestly, even if he had his head been mummified the way he wanted, that wax head is still way better. Way better, yeah. For a memorial. Definitely. Um, so yeah, that's my story of Jeremy Bentham and the Harbor Swan stories. I hope you like it. Crazy. Yay. We're doing a promo this week, right? We are. We're doing promos 
every week. Yes. We've got, I just got more new podcasts that I'll be throwing at you guys um, in the next, in the upcoming weeks. But today we're going to take it back to Melissa, our right? friend Melissa over at The Haunted Ride. Yes. We have talked about her before. She's pretty great. Definitely go give it a listen and she'll tell you a little bit all about it. Spooky. Get it, Melissa. Take it away, Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa Cummins from The Haunted Ride, a paranormal podcast dedicated to you and your experiences. I know what it's like to have something happen to you that's unexplainable, and how it feels to want to tell someone but you're concerned they may think you're crazy. Whether it's a disembodied voice, an apparition, or something you just can't explain, this is your place to share it. So come tune in with me every week while we discuss anything and everything that falls into our paranormal and supernatural world. Because ghosts are out there, and if you're not careful, they will get you. Get it, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. Go check her out. Do it. Stephanie, what are you talking about this work? So continuing my theme of poor decision makers. Oh, okay. Uh, so last week I talked about Bo Bergdahl. Yeah. This week I'm going to talk about a man named Mark Whitaker. That sounds familiar. So Mark Whitaker was the highest paid like whistleblower like executive turned um fbi informant and there's been a book about him there have been a couple books about him and there was a movie about him called the informant uh where he was played by matt damon and the way that oh yeah okay and the way it was played is very i remember when it came out my cousin uh was annoyed because they were making it like it was this period piece I thought that was really fascinating because it takes place like in the mid nineties and this mind you was like the mid two thousands. So it was like 10 years, yeah. but they were making it like it was this big like period piece about the nineties. And my cousin was like, that's dumb. And I was like, that's brilliant. Um, but now, you know, it's 20 years later and now people are like, Oh my God, the nineties period piece. What's happening? Whoa. Um, anyway, so Mark Whitaker, he's, uh, he's a fascinating character. Uh, and I just think his story is really interesting and kind of uh, kind of funny. And he's doing all right. So <laughs> <laughs> I think his story is very humorous. And it comes from a lot of different perspectives. And I even called Christina before I um, wanted to talk about it because he's bipolar. And we'll talk about some of his poor decision making. And I was like, I don't want to sound like I'm being insensitive, but also he made some really poor decisions. Yeah. And I talked about it with Christina and she was like, no, like, that's ridiculous and you should totally talk about it. And I was like, okay, cool. So. Okay. Aside from reading a lot about him, like, third person wise, right? I listened to an episode of this podcast called, uh, I think it's called Undone and Redone. Uh, and just a little bit about that podcast real quick, because that's kind of interesting, is it's this couple and they, <laughs> yes, Undone Redone. Uh, so this couple who they, it's a very Christian podcast, okay? And they talk about um, the importance of like Christ in their life. And they were married um, and the husband had like a, a porn and sex addiction and okay. then they got divorced for several years. Okay. And then they came back together and got remarried. Okay. Yes. And they host this podcast where they talk to other people who have like found religion, found God and like their like story, right? With what they went through. And Mark Whitaker was on an episode of this podcast. So I listened to him directly talk. And this was after I had already, I listened to this like 
After you done your research? After I'd already done my research. Okay. So it was really exciting because it brought like new okay. perspective on yeah. the story. But I'm all but like I also knew a lot about it already. But it was interesting to hear it from the actual guy and like what he felt like was going on with him. So what happened, Mark Whitaker? So Mark Whitaker was um, an executive for a company called, uh, I think it's ADM, uh, which I just want to pull that up and make sure I'm correct about this. I should keep my notes open, but I'm just like, I got them. (laughs) I know it all up here. Yes, ADM. So he was... um, he was a business executive working for a company called ADM, which is Archer Daniels Midland. And they are a company that makes food additives. So they okay. supply to every, if you eat food, processed food, you're eating something that has their additives in it. Kellogg, Coca-Cola. Anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, Procter & Gamble, which owns everything. Uh, their additives are in your food. Okay. And it's what makes you <laughs> become addicted to junk food and want to eat it all the time. But anyway... Uh, so they sell to companies all across the world uh, these food additives, and they were price gouging. So they were um, illegally, purposefully raising prices of things to get more money, right, mm-hmm. uh, than the things were actually worth. And they were doing this, like, all over the place. So Mark Whitaker, the way he tells it is that he um, – so he had been with the company seven months before realizing that this was happening. Mm-hmm. But they had been doing this for, like, over a decade. Like, yeah. they'd already been doing this for a long time. And he said that he was talking to his wife about it. Because at this time in his life, um, like, God was not, like, he, not life. on his radar. Yeah. Right. And he said that he was just very consumed by the greed of it all. So, like, he learned what the company was doing. And um he said that he his wife was like, well, how much do you guys make a year and how much are you getting from this gout, like this price gouging? And he said that they make over 70 billion dollars a year at this company and the price gouging gets them like an extra billion dollars a year. <laughs> She's like, you guys make 70 billion dollars a year and you're cheating for a for one billion, for like one extra it's not billion even dollars, worth it. right? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you need, like, you need God. Now he talks <laughs> a lot, and really, he talks a lot about his wife and her, like, their relationship with God was like a big deal. Yeah, and I mean, it really, it really makes a lot of sense. And praise this woman, because girl, so they'd been together since they were in like middle school. Like, he's, oh wow, he's in eighth grade, she was in seventh grade, and they got together and. um like, they went through everything together. They are still married, even after, like, his time in prison, because he eventually went to prison. Oh, wow. Um, she stuck with well, And she stuck she's with She's a him. woman of God. Girl, she is, though. Uh, he said that there's even an interview that's, like, on their website somewhere where she made some joke about how, like, people asked her if she ever thought about divorcing him. And she said that she... Her religion, like, she takes it really seriously in marriage. She never would have divorced him, but she did consider murdering him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that girl. That is a woman after my own, own heart. heart. I was like, ooh, girl, like, we will he do it? Death. Tell the truth. Right? She's we like, I thought about death. killing him, though. Um, but anyway, so she is the one that told him, like, you need to, you need to stop and you need to go to the FBI and you need to tell them 
Like, you haven't been in it very long. Like, they'll be yeah. lenient with you. Yeah. You need to go in and you need to tell them, like, this is what's happening. I don't want any part of it. And, like, we need to help shut it down. And he gives his wife, like, full credit for that. He was like, she told me, like, you need yeah. to do this. You need to fix this. Like, you need to make it right. And he was like, I don't want to go to jail. And, like, I don't want you to leave me. And she was like, like, if you're going to jail because you're paying the price for what you did, like, I, won't I want you, you to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. And she's like, I want you to do the right thing. More yeah. than anything. And yeah. he's like, all right. So he goes to the FBI and he's like, look, this is what's happening. I've got all this evidence. Like, I work for them. I want to, like, come clean. So the FBI is like, all right, we're going to work with you. You're going to wear a wire uh, every day mm. and you're going to go to work and you're going to record all of these conversations that are happening. This went on for three years. Oh my god. Every day this man got up and the FBI shaved his chest, taped a wire to him, sent him to work. He said it was like he was working two full-time jobs because he was oh. working 40 hours at the office and he was working 30 to 40 hours a week with the FBI to like go over the information, talk about whose voice was on there, who oh. they're listening to, what's going on, okay? So they're putting away, uh, this goes on for three years before they start putting people away, right? And they're putting people away, You most of them, for like uh, like three years. Yeah, like that, tiny things. That amount of time, right? So <laughs> this is going on for like three years. He starts to lose his shit, which makes sense. Yeah. Right? He's living a double life. That's a they lot. They didn't, um, yeah. So that's happening, right? So he has immunity. Um, with the FBI. So after like three years of this shit, he said uh, at one point his he was like, he's in the middle of a nervous breakdown. He was outside. It was three o'clock in the morning during a thunderstorm and he had a leaf blower and he was wearing a shirt and a tie and he was trying to like clear the leaves out of the driveway. And he, And he didn't understand why all his neighbors weren't outside also doing the same thing. And he said that his wife came out to him and was like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? And he just kept talking about, like, the money, how, like, he needed, like, they needed all these things. Like, he had to take care of all these things. And she was like, you need God. Like, you need (laughs) need Jesus. And he's like, I don't need God. I need to become the president because I'm going to put all these people away and then I'm going to be the leader of this company. And she was like, you have never needed God so much in your life ever as you do right now. And she's like, you're crazy. Like, you're crazy. And like, this is like, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Right. Like, it was a come to God moment where she's like, you need God. And she, like, goes back in the house, right? He decides in that moment that, like, what he needs to do to get out of this situation is he, um, so he's like, she's right. They're not going to make me the president once all these people are put away. Yeah. So I need to come up with my own plan of how to take care of myself. And he's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to prepare myself a severance package I make, he's like, I make like $3 million a year. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set this up. So I'm going to give myself these paychecks to set up for this severance so that I get this money before I get fired for being whistleblower. And I'm going to set aside $9 million because 
I'm, you know, working with the feds. And when I when it comes out that I was working with the feds, nobody's going to hire me. And I'm going to need at least a couple years worth of money to keep us afloat because nobody's going to hire me because I gave up <laughs> these people. So I'm going to need that time for everything to die down before somebody's going to want to give me a job again. So this is how I'm going to set it up. And these people, they've stolen a billion dollars a year every year for 14 so years. What's $9 million to these people? Oh, right. This Mark, is the state no. that he was in. Right. So over a few Months, he sets aside $9 million for himself over different amounts of checks, over like 15 checks, broken into 15 checks, so that he could set aside this $9 million, right? So the day that um, the FBI comes down on ADM, that they have all this information on them, that Mark Whitaker gave up all this information, that he was the whistleblower, uh, and that they're taking all these people down and they're taking this company down... ATM is like, yeah, well, Mark Whitaker sold $9 million from us. What you going to do about that, FBI? Mark? And Mark Mark is just like that kid with the cup of ramen at the microwave (laughs) meme. It's like (laughs) side-eyeing. It's like, "Mm." Right. Um, So, and he was also under the impression that he had immunity. Well... His immunity didn't protect him from like steal- him stealing, stealing $9 million, million dollars from the company. Um, it's not just like a free pass right, to do any to do criminal anything act. you want. Right. That's not how it works. Right. Uh, no, excuse me. I so have immunity. Him doing that and not telling the FBI that that was going on basically voided his immunity. Oh, my God. So now Mark, he was no. on the hook, not just for helping the company, but for embezzling $9 million from this company. The people, So much for taking care of your family. So the people... Now, as crazy as that is, this is where he makes the worst decision possibly that he's ever made. Okay? Cool. In this entire thing. Cool, cool. So the FBI is like, dude, Mark... We are going to work with you and this prosecutor because you've been, we get it. You've been under so much stress. You did wrong. You're going to have to do time, but we're going to do everything we can to get you the help you. minimum sentence. Because even FBI agents who are undercover, they have a psych evaluation every six months. Yeah. Like they have somebody they're talking to about all the things that they're going through. You're a civilian. You've been working with us for three years yeah. and you haven't had the access to like the psychological treatment that we have. We're going to do everything we can to help you. Yeah. And they worked with the prosecutor, and they were going to give him a plea bargain for six months. And they gave him 24 hours to sign that contract. Oh, no. In this state, right? He goes, I shouldn't serve any fucking time. Mark, no. I deserve to be let go. They, they, They made me like this. I'm not serving any time. Refused to work with them, fired his lawyers, hired a whole new team of lawyers, and went to court. (laughs) Mark, no. He could have served six months. Six months is nothing. They were in trial for two years, and by the end of it, he got sentenced ten and a half years. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is the worst calling a bluff ever. Worst call. Right. He's He's like... Fuck you, six months. Fuck you, six months. Oops. Oopsie daisy. So he got ten and a half years. Mark, what you doing, now, man? When I, and now this was crucial hearing this story from him directly because yeah. I've 
uh, it really it answered a lot of my questions that I had otherwise because I was like, he got 10 and a half years. All these other people he helped put away, they got like three years time. Like, why did he get 10 and a half years? Why did he get 10 and a half years? I was like, oh, because he turned down the six-month plea, plea bargain, bargain. they yeah. fucking offered him. So they're like, fuck you. We're going to make it worse. Right. Well, and that's how the court system works. If you take a plea deal... You're going to do significantly less time because if you go to court, you're spending way more tax resources on a trial. They have to pay, you know, yeah, like you to take care of the jury. Yeah. They have to pay the the lawyers, the, the DA. They've got to pay the fucking judge. So a trial is much more expensive on the system. So if you're found guilty in a trial, you're going to sig- serve yeah. significantly more time yeah. than if you had taken a plea deal. Mm-hmm. So he turned down a six-month plea deal. <laughs> was given 10 and a half years. Of those 10 and a half years, um, the way that parole works in this company in this country, uh, you have to serve, I believe it's 85% of it. So they'll only take off for good behavior, you can lose 15%. So he served eight and a half years. Jeez. And he got out. He's out now. He's been out yeah. since like 2010, 2012, sometime yeah. in there. Because this was in the late 90s, the 90s, like early 2000s. Here's the part. That cracks me up because I'm like, people are crazy. There are people who, even now, after he's served that time and he's out of prison and he's living his life and he's, you know, found God and he talks about how, like, he spent his wife, they, like, every, he got moved to three different prisons. His wife moved the family every time to be close to the prison. And they, he said that they added up the hours, like, from her sign-in sheets of how much she came to, to prison to see him. And she spent close to four years in prison because she came to so much visiting time with the family. And he said, and again, like, he gave a lot of credit to God and changing his life. But he said he spent way more time with his family in prison than he than did, he when, did he was when he was working. Right, when yeah. he was an executive. Yeah. Oh. Um, and, you know, made him realize what was important in his life and it was his family and God. And and I get that. And that's great. There are people who even now want to exonerate him, like want him given a pardon and have his record expunged because he served with the FBI. He was such an important informant and he was going through so much mentally and psychologically and he's bipolar and it sent him into this fit. My issue with that is not to get super political, but super political. How many poor black and brown people are not just serving time, but are dead because they were having some sort of like, because they were behaving a certain way and they got yeah. shot. Yeah. Like, my dude stole $9 million. Not, more money than most of us are going to see in our lifetime. And spent less than a year per million dollars in jail. Oh my God. Because he spent eight and a half yeah. years in jail for stealing nine million dollars. Oh my god! So like, my dude served his time, and he did. He deserves to, to stay serve on that his time. record. Let it stay on his record. Yes, please. It's chill. But those were the poor decision making choices of Mark Whitaker, who now, um, like him and his wife, I'm pretty sure he like he. I don't think he ministers. But, like, if you go to his website, it's a lot about how, like, God changed, God changed his, life his life and, and saved his marriage and, and, like, the things that he went through and, like, other books and resources about 
his experience and him and his wife's experience. But he credits his wife and God for everything. But he's like, my wife, like she Good. stood by me through all of that. She yeah, stayed married she to did. Me. She moved. And he was like, I want to hear her story. Oh, I know. And there are interviews with her. And there's a book that's more focused on her, too, that's on the website. But the book is primarily sold in, like, Christian bookstores. But it's about her um, and her perspective on the situation and, and how she handled it and and how important, like, how God, like, kept her going and saved her and her family. And, yeah. Good for And I'm her. like, good for her. Right. <laughs> like, that is... A ride or die bitch right there. For real. <laughs> like, for real. But I love the, sh- the joke about, like, she's like, I wasn't going to divorce gonna him, but I thought about killing him. <laughs> like, yes, I was like, yes, Lord, ma'am. give me strength. <laughs> Won't he do Won't it? Won't he do it? Maybe um, Jesus will take him in the night. So that's Mark Whitaker. Wow, Mark. Uh, and that's the story. That's his story. Of bad choices. It, of bad choices. Um, but I thought his case was absolutely fascinating. That's, yeah, you're right. That was a good story. (laughs) I'm like, wow. Wow. Okay. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Do you have a fetish five? I do! Yay, Stephanie has a fetish five. I do have a fetish five this week. Is it about Um, poor decision making? I mean, yeah. Is that someone's fetish? (laughs) My fetish is making the wrong decisions. That's why I do it all the time. So I try, um, I I get really excited if I can tie it into um, something that we talked about in the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something I feel like that comes up a lot, uh, but didn't come up today. Um, Is it about Brendan Fraser? No. (laughs) It's about poop. (laughs) That's number two. Ah, that is number two. Hey. Um, oh, I'm here. Sarah's always here for the poop jokes. So, uh, coprophilia. Is that where you have someone poop on you? I mean, it's... In, is it, it two it, girls, just one cup? Involving, yeah, sexual arousal involving feces. So it could be touching, smelling, eating. Could just be pooping. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is, um, so not a lot of... Fetishes can say this. It is in the DSM-4. <laughs> the DSM-4, uh, the DSM, if you are not familiar, is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Oh. It doesn't get u- updated very often. Um, but when things are, it's a big deal whether or not something is in the DSM because homosexuality used to be in the DSM. It is no longer in the yes. DSM. Okay. Where they're like, we get that this is a fetish, but it's also probably something else it's too. probably a, it's a if it's in the dsm it's considered a mental disorder a mental thing okay which is why but like a, a negative connotation a disorder has a okay. negative connotation I would think. <laughs> sure um i i would say yes okay but um but yeah so, so the dsm basically is the guide that's like if it's in here that's a mental disorder okay so when homosexuality got taken out of the dsm it was a it's huge a deal. deal right because okay. they they were saying that's them saying it's not a mental disorder it's just a thing um but not many not many fetishes are actually in the dsm but uh coprophilia like is yeah that sounds about right and it's classified under a 302 
5.89 paraphilia NOS, which is not otherwise specified, and has no diagnostic criteria other than a general statement about paraphilias that says the diagnosis is made if the behavior, sexual urges, or fantasies cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, and other important areas of functioning. So if shit's gets in the way of the rest of your life. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> right. Uh, furthermore, the DSM-4 notes, fantasies, behaviors, or objects are paraphilic only when they lead to clinically significant distress or impairment, e.g. Uh, are obligatory result in sexual dysfunction, require participation of non-consenting individuals, lead to legal complications, interfere with social relationships. Sure, I think poop gets in the way of all that. So they're saying that that is what makes them decide whether or not a fetish should be in the DSM. Okay. And poop is one. Gets in the way of all of it. It gets in the way of life. It just gets, it gets on everything poop gets if you in the give way. it a chance. Although there may be no connection between coprophilia and sadomasochism, the limited data on the former comes from studies of the latter. So a study of 164 men in Finland uh, from two SM clubs found that 18.2%, that's almost one in five people, had engaged in coprophilia, 3% as a sadist, 6.1% as a masochist, 9.1% as both. 18% of heterosexuals and 17% of homosexuals in the study pool had tried coprophilia, showing no statistically significant difference between heterosexuals and homosexuals. I mean, yeah, poop right. doesn't care. Everybody poops. Everybody there's poops. A there's a book about it. Gay, straight, everybody poops. Everybody. In a separate article analyzing 12 men who engaged in bestiality, an additional analysis of an 11 man subgroup revealed that six oh. had engaged in coprophilic behavior compared with only one in the matched control group consisting of 12 SM oriented males who did not engage in bestiality. Is bestiality in the DSM? Um, I believe so. It should be, right? I'm going to look it up and see if it's. I don't know. It sh I feel like it should be. I agree. It should be. If it's not, we need a petition to have it put in there. I wonder if it's not because it's not illegal in all countries. But coprophilia isn't illegal at all. I mean, like if someone That's wants fair, you to shit on them and you're like, I guess I'll shit on you. But it'll make it'll make people stop talking to you. So it'll affect your social interactions. <laughs> Um, are you familiar with the, I love that this is on the Wikipedia page are you familiar with the phrase Cleveland steamer yes I am there's a whole section of the Wikipedia page about under poop. Cleveland steamer uh, the Cleveland steamer is a colloquial term for a form of coprophilia where someone defecates on their partner's chest <laughs> The term received news attention through its use in a U.S. Congress staff hoax email and being addressed to the United States Federal Communications Commission. Oh, make America great again. Um, or just Cleveland. Um, yeah, what does that say about Cleveland? Tough on dirt, gentle on carpets. That's Stanley Steamer. That's <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, all right. That's... So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. What All a right. good episode. There Do you, you like this? Do you want more content like, like this? this? Do you like us? You know how you can support us. You can go to our Patreon. Please. Go to patreon.com slash deadtimestories, all one word with a Z. If you're a $1 member, that gets you access to our exclusive FaceTime group where we're also doing two live streams a month. Yes. $5 a month gives you access to bonus content, and we're sending out episodes of our sideshow called I Seen It. 
where Stephanie gets to describe a movie that I have never seen to me. To Sarah. It's really exciting. It's something that's happened on the show a couple times, and, and it's a lot like, of fun. We're make so it now we're going to make it a regular thing. And that comes out once a month. And then, of course, if you are a $15 patron, you will actually become a member of the Faint Flatulence Collection. Yes. And we will send you every month a handcrafted, hand-captured ghost fart straight to your door where it comes with a little story about the ghost whose fart we captured in a jar just for you. And that comes every single month. So Patreon, it's a huge way to help us out. If you don't have the money to support us, of course, there are other ways you can do that by giving us a review, preferably five stars on iTunes and Facebook. If you take a screenshot and email it to us at deadtimestories, with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com, and you give us your address, we will send you a sticker and a little thank you card. We sure will. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Sarah, any final thoughts? Find us wherever you can find podcasts. Yes. Uh, my only final thought is please give us your money. Give us your money. Please. But yeah, we appreciate you listening. I hope yeah, you no, had fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, tune in next week, episode 57. And if you are on that Patreon $5 level, keep an eye out for I Synced It. Coming out, dropping on the 15th, you will only be able to access that through our Patreon page. I'm still trying to figure out if we can put it on some other platform exclusively for you guys. Um, But right now, that's only going to be available through Patreon for our $5 level subscribers. So, yeah, that and more. I'm also working on figuring out a different way to live stream that possibly might get moved to Twitch. Something that's available... um, strictly through our page, but also um, something for people who aren't really on Facebook, like my brother. So it'll be a double whammy of help. So we're figuring that out, but we are still doing that. And yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. I want to keep going. There you go. Thanks, guys. I'm Sarah. I'm Stephanie. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 